0: trying to discover the truth. Mm. Mm. What now? Isn't that a good question? What do we do now in the day in which we live? Now, how many would answer this really quickly? How many of you have questions in your mind and in your heart about everything going on in the world right now? Anybody? Anybody? There's a few of us. We're going to jump into some of that. Before I do that, I'm going to ask our ushers to come up. It's our Mission Sunday at the end of the month, every Sunday. So if the ushers will make their way back very quickly, we're just going to take up a quick offering for anybody that wants to give directly into missions. Uh, While they're doing that, I want to tell you while they're getting ready, uh, my wife sent me this text to make sure that this got announced. Is that don't forget the missions offering. That's what we're doing right now. Ed, she says, also announced this, that the missions banquet, we're having a missions banquet Sunday, October the 24th. It's going to be a luncheon right after the morning service. Tickets, we're selling tickets, will be $10. Tickets, $10, they'll go on sell next Sunday. And I want to encourage all of you, uh, we're going to be unfolding and some of the future things that we're gonna be doing, the things that are going on, we want you to be aware of those things, and at the same time, you say, well, why are we doing tickets? Because uh, in this day and age, we never know if somebody's gonna show up or not, so we're we're making tickets, we'll make some extra money for missions, and at the same time, we'll know how much food to prepare for everybody. So we would love for you to be a part of that. We have some big announcements that we're gonna make during that time, and uh, I would love to see you there. Thank you for being so faithful to giving and to missions that we get to support. I just spoke recently, I can't even tell you publicly where they are. It's in such a uh, dangerous area. But I spoke with uh, two of our missionaries in that area and they were talking about the challenges and they said one of the things that get us through is knowing that there are people back home who love us enough that they remember us and they don't forget what we're doing. I just want you to understand how powerful your giving is because it speaks more than dollar value. It speaks that we love and we haven't forgotten and we believe in what God's called them to do. So I'm gonna pray over this real quick and we'll take up that offering for missions. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for another opportunity to sow seed into this harvest field. And Lord, I pray now that God, you would anoint every gift given, that Father, every penny, would go to reach somebody for Jesus, to help show somebody that Christ is real and loves them. And Father, I pray this, that for every giver, you will bless them abundantly, that you will pour out upon them in greater measure than they ever expected, not because they're giving to get back, but because they're giving to see lives changed. And Father, we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Go ahead, gentlemen. So in this series that we've jumped into called What Now, I, I wanted to tackle what I felt like were some of the questions that desperately need answers. We need direction. And as I wrestle continually with all of these as a, as a, as a leader in this time, and many of you are leaders in your own right, you know exactly what I'm talking about. There is a struggle when you're wrestling with, okay, how do I present this? How do I show this? How do I reveal this? How do we do this? And the answer should always be, what does the Bible say? Okay, do you understand the, the power of that? Because we live in a world where emotions lead the way. Well, I don't like that. I don't feel like that's right. I don't feel like that's the way that should be, you know, contextualized. And then we start using fancy $5 words is what my dad used to call them to explain why something else is this way and that way. And the truth of the matter comes down to this. At the end of the day, the one thing that I can tell you that we have that gives us the strength and can give us hope in this time is what I hold in my hand right here. The word of God. And let me tell you something, at my ancient years of 52, I have discovered this. I've seen a lot of things come and go. Anybody with me? I've seen a lot of thoughts and systems and all these things, and I've watched all these things. I've seen so many come and go, and the one thing that stands true through it all is His Word. So today, as we get ready to read this, I want to remind you, before we open the Word, I want to remind you that… Part of what you saw coming into this was some clips that we we used from a friend of ours who is putting a movie out right now called Reawakening. It's a docu-series, Reawakening America. And uh, there's some powerful, powerful information in that for you to make your mind up. We don't need somebody else making our mind up for us. We need to have the power and the strength to be led by the Spirit of God to make up the mind that He gave us, correct? Anybody agree with that? So, you need information, and the truth is, you're not going to get all that information in the normal routes. We have to find that. We have to be students. We have to dig in. So, what now? I think the way to jump into this is simply to jump into Scripture. So, if you wouldn't mind standing to your feet, we're going to jump into the Word of God together and, and do this this way. Yes, we will. So, if you will, turn with me into the book of Matthew. The book of Matthew, I want to start in chapter 24, and I'll read the first few verses, just three through eight. Matthew chapter 24, verses three through eight, then we're going to jump down a little further into the New Testament for another passage. Matthew 24, verses three through eight. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us. When will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. Can turn to your neighbor right now and say, will deceive many. That's important. And Jesus answered so take heed that no one deceives you for many will come in my name Saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled. (laughs) I'm going to read that one again. See that you are not troubled for these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. Verse 8. All these things, or all these are the beginning of sorrows. It's a very important phrase that I'll come back to. Then turn with me really quickly into 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Uh, In in the Thessalonians, Paul speaks so much about the second coming of Christ. He talks so much about the end times, and this is part of that. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you not to soon be shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. And the man of sin... Is revealed the son of perdition who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshiped so that he sits as God in the temple of God showing himself that he is God let's pray father for the next few moments I pray that you would speak through your word to us today in this place we we are just people And, Lord, we we struggle sometimes to understand the vastness of what is happening around us. But, Father, we know that none of this takes you by surprise. And we also know that you have a purpose and a plan in everything. So, God, I pray that today, in the few moments that we've got, I pray you would speak deeply to each of our hearts, that you would awaken our hearts, awaken the spirit inside of us, shake us, Father, wake us up, That we can be who we need to be in this moment. Father, I pray this, that you would convict each of our hearts. Convict us, Lord. There's not anybody in this room. There's no one that's watching this today. That, Father, that we've walked in and we're just so pure that we don't need forgiveness. That we don't need you. Father, I pray you would reveal to us the places where we fail. That we might be better. That we might grow closer to you. And Father, I pray, God, as always, that when we leave our time together today, we would leave here changed in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. You can be seated. You know, I want to start with a key thought right up front that I think is really important for us to all have, and it's this. In this godless culture, we must become people of action, not reaction. In this day and age, we have to be people of action, not people of reaction. What does that even mean? You know, I think what we've done so long, we tend to react to things instead of already being ahead of the ball game. You know, it's like, well this happens, then we react. Well this happens, we get mad. We say, well they that's a that that's against that. They shouldn't do that. They shouldn't do this. That, that's wrong and all this stuff. In other words, we're reacting to things. When if we do it the correct way, understanding why God has given us biblical prophecy, why he is giving us ideas of what the end looks like, the, the, the symbology, all the different things that we can find as we kind of dig through some of this. When we dig into this, what we discover is God's given us a plan, and that plan is to give us a hope. And we live in a time where fear is the most prevalent thing that we find. Well, what am I going to do? what am I gonna do if this happens what am I gonna do if this happens and these this is believers talking can you imagine not being a believer and wondering what in the world is going on we live in a culture where everybody is so angry all the time it that's why when you make a, try to have a conversation we don't have conversations anymore we have arguments and if we oppose each other's thought process if we don't like this and we don't like that what happens We're enemies. And I want you to understand that that is not the way God intends us to function, especially not inside his body. So what I think it's important for us to understand is we need to realize that God has given us a plan. He has given us an idea and said, I'm giving you these things so that you won't be caught unaware. So that you will function and live with hope because right now what the world needs most is the hope of Jesus Christ. We don't need, let's just say it right out, we don't need, when we think of it this way, we don't need another vaccine, we need Jesus. We don't need another political person, we need Jesus. We don't need all these other, no, we need Jesus. And I think when we come to this, we go, okay, how do I wrap my head around what God is saying in this moment, in what's going on? How do I wrap my head around all of these things? I think the first thing to say is this, and I heard uh, David Jeremiah say this, and it reminded me, because I've heard this since I was a kid and had completely forgotten, but he actually made this statement again that brought this back up, that biblical prophecy casts a long shadow. I loved that. Because as I started reading that, I went, I remember that now. You know, my parents paid a lot of money for me to remember that in, in seminary, and I didn't. But when I came to that, I realized that, and what that basically means is nothing prophetically in the Bible can, should catch you by surprise. Because it casts a long shadow. In other words, there are things that happen, signs in the sky, signs in the situation, signs in culture, sign, all these different things that take place that gives you an awareness of what time frame in which we live. We talked about that last week, so I'm not gonna dig into that too deeply, but for you to understand that in the timeline that we see of the church age and the the dispensation of grace, I know that's a lot of stuff to talk about really quickly for those that weren't here last week, you need to watch last week's message, is this, when we talk about that, we realize that we are in the church of Laodicea. See, I didn't say that right last week, I said it right this time. And we realize what that looks like And when you begin to dig into it, you go, oh, wow, okay, we need to figure this out. Because let me tell you something, there is no way that something like politics should separate believers. There is certainly no way whether somebody has got a mask on or not have a mask on should separate believers. It should never be somebody, are you vaxxed or unvaxxed, separate believers. No, sir. We should understand we are the body of Christ and we must not be (laughs) divided. It's as simple as that. But what's amazing about the time in which we live is that the stupidity is at such a monstrous level that sometimes you just wake up and you go, I don't think it can get any dumber. And then you turn on the news and you go, oh, okay, never mind. Uh, You know, it's like, do you remember the movie Spinal Tap? Anybody that old? I feel like we're living that out, just not in the music world. It's like, how can it be any dumber? You know, and and we we look at this and we go, God, how how do we be who we're supposed to be? When we look at these reality, these things that aren't reality, how do we break this down? There are a few passages in this that I want you to hit on really quickly. Back in Matthew chapter 24, next week we're going to go into Matthew 25, but in this, Matthew 24, I love this, He says, take heed that no one deceives you. Take heed that no one deceives you. And then we come back down into 2 Thessalonians, and what does it say? It says this, that you must come to that place. Where, where is it? I've got to find it. Uh, now, brethren, concerning the... Oh, wait, yeah. verse 3. Let no one deceive you by any means. See, deception is a powerful tool. And what we have discovered in, throughout history is the more you tell a lie, the more it seems like the truth. And we are inundated today with information that comes at us so fast by so many avenues that we, we get to the place where it's like, well, you know what? That's not so far-fetched. Maybe, 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 maybe. Listen to me. There is no maybe. Maybe. We are the blood-bought church. We are followers of Jesus Christ, period. And when we come to that, it doesn't matter what the culture does. It doesn't matter what government does. It doesn't matter what the world does. It only matters in who Christ called us to be, and that is followers of Christ. And I'm going to tell you, there are difficult things, and I, and I just want to tell you this, that I, I believe is all my heart, that if you think now is difficult, well, get your seatbelt buckled because the ride's going to be fun in a very sick way. But anyway, but the truth is we look at this it, it goes out of its way. he goes out of our way, Paul and Jesus going out of their way to say make sure that no one deceives you. Be very careful. And let's be honest, right now there are people popping up left and right that have words from the Lord. They're telling you this and they're telling you that. And I'm going to tell you something, if, if somebody's giving you a prophetic word and then it doesn't come to pass, then I, I'm going to tell you the Bible, they better be thankful that it's not Old Testament days. Because it's not a, well, maybe I misread that. No, 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 no. You, you were wrong because you did not hear the voice of God. You were not careful when God was speaking to you and you spoke something out of your heart that perhaps was God speaking something to you, but it was not a thus saith the Lord moment. We have to be careful. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not condemning anybody or anything. Everybody's got to work that are, their own salvation with fear and trembling. I believe that with all my heart. I stand in judgment of no one. But what I will, I will tell you is this, when the Bible says, be careful that no one deceive you, he's talking to his church. He's talking to us. So obviously there is a danger that we can be deceived and misled. And then, because next week we'll be talking about chapter 25, and it's the, the, 10, the parable of the ten virgins and all that stuff. There's some powerful things in that that you need to see. But when we come into that, we recognize that there's a reason he's saying this. But even with all of this, I love the passage where he says, see that you are not troubled. <laughs> I don't know about you, but sometimes I read those words and I go, seriously? Don't be, don't be troubled that the world's falling apart don't be troubled that you're about to lose your job because you disagree with a political stance and let's make no joke let's make no aside it is a political thing that all of a sudden there's all these. oh don't don't be troubled i'm gonna tell you right now that's not an easy order because all it takes a minute and turn on the news and watch something i'm getting troubled i don't know if any of y'all do but uh i never have blood pressure issues until the news comes on and I'm either angry or frustrated or scared to death because I'm watching it going, We're gonna be speaking Chinese in just a few weeks. Something, something. I mean something, you know, this is like this is nuts. But the reality that we come to is like God is telling, Jesus is teaching us and he's pouring into us saying, look, I'm giving you a pathway. I'm trying to reveal these things to you so that you don't have to be terrified, so that you don't have to be anxious and worried. Listen, we're human. We are flesh and blood. It is a battle. But God's saying, look, do this. How many times did you do this with your kids when they were scared? It's okay. It's okay. Daddy's here. It's okay. Did they stop being scared right away? No, but dad was there. You're, you're being with them, and and you know, you're hugging them close and you're keeping, and pretty soon they begin to relax and be able to kind of step into that. That's what God's trying to do for us is show us don't be afraid of what's happening. You should actually be encouraged because this shows us that Jesus is coming back. The Bible tells us that there will be people who never see death i I will be grateful to be one of those, right? To never see death because Jesus comes back in my lifetime, but I want him to come back and find me not hiding from somebody, but standing up and declaring God's word boldly and saying, I know who I am and you're not going to take that away from me. We have a job to do. We have a generation of kids who, can you imagine I mean, I'm 52. I look at this thing and say, man, maybe we can coast for about 20 more years. We all right. You know, it's like, but what about you when you're younger? Can you imagine the fear and the anxiety level that kids have to look at and say, what's our life going to look like? Everybody hates each other. Nobody can get along. But yet we come to this place that Jesus says, these things must happen. These are the things that take place. So here's what I want to do is I want to take you into 2 uh, Thessalonians and help you understand something because this, we're gonna kinda, this is a secondary message to last week that's going to step into this whole idea of falling away because I believe it's so important. Uh, even as I preached that last week, I realized, no, there's more to this. I've got to get this across to the church. They have to understand the danger of falling away because what we end up doing is we take it so lightly That we don't realize that even when the Bible says many will be deceived, and when he's saying many will be deceived, he's not talking about people that don't know Jesus. He's talking about followers of Christ. So we need to be speaking boldly the truth. And that's what we want to do today. So if you will, it's 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. I just want to look at verse 3. And let's just kind of break down verse 3 for a minute. It says, Let no one deceive you. We've already talked about you, about that. Now let me give you a little context for this. The reason that Paul is writing this to the church in Thessalonica is because there was a rumor that had been started after this saying that Jesus had already come, and they had been left behind. All right, this is, so this is the rumor. You know, and this is what you look at. Can you see the power of a rumor? It's like, man, it was affecting the entire city of Christ followers. So Paul is writing this letter to them saying, no, no, here's what you need to understand. Here's what you need to see, and this is the sign. So let no one deceive you by any means for that day, that day being Jesus' return, the the rapture of the church. All right? That when Jesus comes back, let no one deceive you for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. Let's stop right there for a minute. Unless the falling away comes first. So here's what you need to understand. There will be a falling away. There will be. In this term, falling away in the the actual word would be called apostasy. Okay, it's a big fancy word, and here's the thing that I want you to see. Apostasy is a turning from the truth. Apostasy is when we don't allow ourselves to see the truth anymore. Have you looked at the world? Have you recognized that truth doesn't matter anymore to the world? Amen. To when they're telling our kids, you can be a him or a her or whatever thing, and they're firing teachers, and that's the truth. They're firing teachers, and praise God, the teacher has now won in court and they have reinstated him. I can tell you about that if you're curious, but. But at the same time, and his ground that he stood on was because he said, I will not stand and look at the children that I'm in charge of and call a her a him and confuse them any more than this world's already confused them. And he took a stand on that. And I want to tell you, in the end, as fearful and as crazy and scary as that had to be, God prevailed in that, and his favor shown on that man. And now the kids… they want, one of the rewards that those kids get are time with him. You know why? Because he stood up for the truth. And you say, well, pastor, I don't know if I agree with that. I don't care because it, it doesn't matter what we think. This is what I need you to understand. It does not matter what we think. It matters what the Word of God says. See, this is what I need you to see on this scripture, unless the falling away comes. The falling away is when we start saying, you know what, it doesn't matter what the Bible says, There's a bunch of people, they've been dead for thousands of years, they didn't know, and they were just probably on drugs. I heard that the other day from a believer. Oh yeah, <laughs> no, I'm not kidding. I s- he said, pastor, now this is a teacher, not here, this is a teacher and, and a wonderful person, but... He looked at me and said, now, you know who wrote Revelation, right? And I said, well, yeah, actually, yes, I do. And he goes, well, you know, he was boiled in oil. And I said, that's true. And God delivered him. It's absolutely true. He goes, his brain wasn't right. And all that stuff he wrote in Revelations, that was just a delirious daydream. Now, here's what I want you to understand. Now, we say that and we go, oh, But how many times have you looked at a scripture and said, oh, I don't know, or you just read past it and you don't want to apply it to your life? Do you see what I'm saying? My friend didn't just get to that place where he felt that way all of a sudden. It was slow, increment steps of questioning this and questioning that. And listen, I'm a questioner by nature. My mom said I was a holy terror as a child. I know it's hard to believe, but she said, Clay, you questioned everything, everything. She said, if I asked you to take out the trash, I would say, why? Why take out the trash? When it was time to take a nap, I'd be, why take a nap? I ran away from home once because mom made me take a nap. That was what we did on Sunday afternoons because when I was a kid, everything in the city shut down. There was nothing to do. And they said, you're taking a nap. I ran away from home. I did. I ran all the way down the road in, in Ripley, Mississippi, ran all the way down the road and was passing my cousin's house because I thought if you're gonna run away from home, you gotta take somebody with you. So I went to Marty's house and my Aunt Delilah was standing out there and she was just waving at me. She went into the house and she used this big thing we called telephones. Y'all wouldn't recognize them today. And she went inside and called, and pretty soon I saw my dad's Chevrolet no, it was a Buick, it was a Buick and he comes down this big long black thing, it's about as long as a school bus now, but it, it comes through and it had, I remember it so specifically because it had this antenna on it, y'all remember antennas? Now they don't make those hardly anymore, but it, and this was a real deal, man, it was like an antenna and it went up a little ways and then it went, we spiraled up and then it went way up, so when he would drive and anytime you'd start to go like this, it just swayed like this, I remember it as a kid, so much, and probably because I had ran away. Because every time a car would come down the road, I would hide in the ditch because I knew if they saw me, I was going to get caught. Because, you know, in small towns, everybody knows everybody. So, I'm running, I get there, and all of a sudden, my Aunt Delilah saying, hey, Clay, come on up here, come on up here, and I'm like, oh, man, cool, but Marty's gonna be there, so, so we can get this thing going, and pretty soon, I saw that Buick coming down and that antenna waving just like that, and I saw my dad in the car, and he said, get your butt in the car, boy. Just for the record, there were no naps for the rest of that day, but the truth is is that there's a lot of things that we don't like but it doesn't really matter if we like it or not. Can we wrap our head around the fact that God created us? He knows what we need. He knows what we're capable of. And you know what else he knows? He also knows the levels of depravity that we can sink to. So the things that Christ teaches us, the things that God has given us, it's not to Uh, To uh, confine us. It's actually to help us to become everything that God's called us to be. I love that. But the falling away, the falling away, and in this part, we talked about the falling away of, of Christians in the church and all that last week, so I'm trying to step forward in this. But here's the thing. When we read this falling away, I believe that what we're seeing is a worldwide falling away from the truth. A worldwide falling away from the truth, and here is where it concerns me the most. Because as Christians, we've learned to live with lies. The church has learned to live with lies. It's, you know, it's like, okay. They're idiots, it's okay. You know, this, this, that, we don't have answers, it's okay. But let me tell you something. We as the church must not live with lies. We must not live… And here's what I'm talking about, okay? When we speak of this, what we're talking about, an apostasy. And when we talk about this falling away, this apostasy, it's an apostasy of widespread rejection of biblical Christianity. Biblical Christianity. No longer do they subscribe to the theological standards that the Word gives us. No, no, no. We're creating new theology. Now, what about this? What about Christian morality? Well, pastor, that, that's just old people. Here's what I need you to see. When you watch what's going on in the world, and you watch what's going on, and the, the challenge is, is making sure that we as believers are humble enough and strong enough to look at our own lives and say, man, I have screwed this up. And I'm going to repent. I'm getting right with God. I'm coming back full, I'm coming full circle back to the place where it all began and say, God, I don't get any of this. It's frustrating. I don't know what to do. But what I do know is that, Lord, I know that if I'm full of your spirit, I can expect to be led by your spirit. And if there's any time that we need to be led by the spirit of the living God, it is now. But we've got to be real. We've got to be real. And listen, you've got to take your political agenda out of the equation. We — because listen, every week, pastor, you need to talk about this. Why aren't we talking about this? And the truth is, as I look at it, I go, because God did not call me to give a political platform to the gospel. The gospel is above political platform. And what I know is this. I will speak against morality, I will speak against all those things and I will declare it from the top of my, from everything that I have within me. When you want to talk about abortion and you want to talk about killing children, I'm going to speak very boldly because this country has been cursed because we kill children constantly. And now we're passing laws, and so I'm telling you, this is morality, this is not politics. Now we're passing laws, they're trying to pass a law now that says that a minor can have an abortion and they can't, their parents cannot be told about it. Are you kidding me? Where is the morality in that? And that's what I'm trying to get across to you. If you think it's bad now, hang on, honey. You say, well, what do we do? What do we look at that in this falling away? How do we wrap our heads around this? How do we walk through this? We have to understand. Dietrich Bonhoeffer referred to it as this, the seduction of the church. If you don't know Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he was a a Christian during Nazi Germany time. He was a German. And he actually was martyred for his faith in that. And one of the things he said as he walked through it, he said, it's, called, it's a seduction of the church, and that's what that party did. That party, the political party, seduced the church to the place where the bishops, the priests, all those people fell full circle in with what became one of the greatest, horrendous crimes in the history of mankind. And did you know that in one of Hitler's speeches, because he considered himself a Christian, in one of his speeches, he referred to his faith as positive Christianity. I don't know, but when I hear that term, that sounds kind of current. See, what I'm trying to tell you is this, as it comes back, let no one be deceived. Let no one be deceived. Because what happens is the enemy's going to come in, and it's not going to be as obvious as we think it will be. So watch out that no one deceives you. So let me give you this, this key thought, is this. The second key thought the last key thought I'll give you today, but I think it's important. The key to not fall away, right, because we know if we're in the church and it's possible for us to be deceived and fall away, how do we not fall away? To be rooted and growing in your church and in your faith. Storms are going to come. And when storms come, you don't jump ship just because the storm comes. No, you need to be rooted. If there's ever been a time to be rooted in the body of Christ, it is now. And when you're rooted, what does that mean? It means you grow. So listen to me. If you want to be safe in all this, make sure that you're growing. Make sure that you're walking fully in what God's called you to be and learning and throwing yourself in. In other words, church doesn't become a afterthought, it becomes the thought. Like, I need to be with believers. I need to get around people. I need to get in the Holy Spirit presence with other people. I need to worship God. I need to be in that place with believers. Why? Because it brings community. It gives you strength when you're weak. It gives you that uplift that you need to get you through what you're going to go through. See, some of the people that you're sitting with today, some of the people that are sitting across from are facing battles that they've never had to fight before because of a sincere belief of a, in a freedom that they should have is being said, it's not a freedom anymore, it's a mandate. And now they're risking losing everything that they've worked for their entire lives for that. That's a person that's sitting with you. Let's go a little further. There's people sitting across from me who's family members and loved ones, and I have, we have one right now, who are fighting for their lives because of this evil COVID virus. We have the enemies of the United States of America, the enemies of freedom, fighting against us in greater measure than ever before. We see globalism becoming a much more obvious pathway for the world. We see the pestilences that Jesus spoke about. A pestilence, do you think a pandemic might fit into that realm? Yes, it will. Absolutely it will. That affects the entire world. We see all these things taking place, and the problem is, is that we allow our fears to begin to be bigger than our God. And I'm telling you this, I'm telling you this for hope that we come to this place where we realize, yes, the whole world might fall away from truth. They may not want to hear the truth and that's pretty apparent. But it does not change the fact that we still live the truth. It does not negate the fact that we know that Jesus is coming soon. We know that Jesus could come at any point. And here's what I wanna tell you. If you're on the fence about any of that, I'm just here to tell you something. I want you to know from me, When when I'm speaking to you, I'm not telling you that I want you to be like me. I'm not telling you that I want you to be like anybody else. I want you to be who God created you to be. But the only way that you can be everything who God created you to be is for you to find Jesus on your own, for you to receive Jesus as your personal savior to where he can complete those pieces inside you that are broken, that are lonely, that are missing, that's empty. Only he can fill that. And I'm not trying to tell you to act like me, look like me, be like me, do what I do, all those things. All I'm saying is this, if you're going to do anything like I do, please only do this, do what I do as I try my best to be like Jesus as best I can. And every one of us need to understand that this is what it comes to, our sons and daughters, our grandbabies, our friends, all these people around us, we should have an urgency like never before. So we've got to keep our eyes open because the enemy is attacking. The enemy absolutely is coming against our families, but we cannot live in those lies. What is the answer? We must know Jesus. I do want to share one statistic with you. In 2015, the Pew Research poll did this, and I want you to see this. 2015, this is a few years ago, five point, or 55.8 million U.S. citizens see no purpose for religion in their lives. That's 2015. Why? Could it be a falling away? Could it be? Simple question. When we begin to really look at the world around us, can we easily dismiss the time in which we live? Now, I will tell you this, and this is how I'll close. Yes, we need to be growing. Yes, we need to be the church. Yes, I believe we need to be vocal. I believe we need to be champions of what's right and champions of what we believe and we should not be shy about that. But also believe this, the only thing we should be pointing to is Jesus. And I will tell you this, we live in a world right now where Christian values are being dismissed as stupid Everything that we built on, and and, and actually, Pastor David Jeremiah said this as well, and he said this, he said, everything that we hold dear is at risk of crumbling around us. I would say he's right, except I'd take it a step further. I would say all the things that we held dear are falling apart in front of us, and we're too afraid to stand up because somebody might unfriend us on social media I know. How stupid is that? Right? And I just want you to think about that for a minute. And here's what it comes to this, and this is my final thought. <laughs> I told Twana, I said, this is gonna be the weirdest series to teach because it goes in so many directions and it's everything, I, y'all know I'm ADD when it comes to this stuff. I'll go all over the place. And sometimes I'll look out and I'll see somebody and I go, oh yeah, I wanna talk about that. Oh yeah, oh yeah. But when it comes down to this, I, I think of this. Sometimes, especially in America, we look at our very small sacrifices and we exaggerate them. Look what I did. How can God let this happen? And here's what I just wanna tell you. Humble yourself before God and realize you gave in a missions offering and you're feeling pretty good about yourself. That's wonderful and absolutely it's wonderful at the same time that you're giving of your abundance, there's a martyr in Afghanistan that's losing his life, and her life, watching their children raped and tortured in front of them, all with knowing that as long as they dismiss God, that everything will be OK. Does that help you understand the value of what real sacrifice is? So all I wanna tell you is this, I believe the United States of America is called to be a beacon of hope in this world. And that knowing that the church should be standing on the hill with the brightest light. We have the brightest light in the universe. We have the one thing that can change people's lives. And even with the falling away, here's my goal. My goal is that if I can speak the truth and I can love people so that they come to the place where they're not falling away over stupid stuff, they're not seeing their lives change because of offense. And let me tell you something, offense in the church, come on, I get offended every Sunday. Do you realize that? And I have to let it go. I'll have a conversation with someone during the week, and I'm going, well, I'm going to have to pray through here in just about 15 minutes. And the whole time they're telling me, "I'm going, oh, man, you're, you're awesome. You're just, praise God for you, knowing that I got to go repent for what I'm thinking." I get offended all the time. But you know what you do with offense? You let it go because we're all different. We're all at different places on the journey that God's taken us to. And you say, it's gonna be okay. Let's get through this together. Let's love each other right where we're at and let's lock arms and say, let's do this. We've gotta stay together. We've gotta stay together. I'm gonna say it again. We've got to stay together. Lock arms. Be the church that God called you to be. Get rooted, get grounded, and let's make a difference, amen? Oh, Amen. That's who God's called us to be. Yeah. One of the hardest things about doing what I do is trying your best to declare what God puts on your heart and knowing that there's at least 30% of you that's here in this today that will completely dismiss everything that I've said. And I wanna tell you something. When I came to Jesus, I'm gonna take a couple minutes, you'll, we'll be okay. When I came to Jesus, I didn't come to Jesus because I was scared of going to hell. I came to Jesus because I fell in love with somebody that loved me even though I was the biggest freaking hot mess, I guess I said freaking my mama's in heaven rolling over right now. But he loved me right where I was at. And you know what, he didn't say go be like your daddy, go be like somebody, go be like any of these people. He said, Clay, be you. I made you, I created you. But I also don't want you to under, I want you to understand this from everything that I've read through scripture, there is a real hell. There is a real penalty for not choosing Jesus. And I'm telling you right now, you may not like everything about church. You may not like people in church. You may, all those things, look, I've ridden that bull. I'm telling you, I've ridden that bull and it'll buck you pretty soon. But what I'll also tell you is this, don't throw away eternity because you think you have the answer. Take it from this old guy We don't have the answers. He does. Jesus. So I pray that even. Even in a time. Where fear is so strong and we all feel it. And where that tendency comes when we get afraid, we shut down like a deer in the headlights. My prayer for you is that the Spirit of God that's in you will rise up. And that you will stand up and be the voice that God called you to be. And you say, Pastor, I don't have it in me. I don't have the strength. Then get full of the Holy Spirit. Because you're going to need it. If you're on the fence about the Holy Spirit, let me knock you off of it. Because let me tell you something, we're coming to the place where we need the Holy Spirit's power to strengthen us, the resolve to do what we've been called to do. I love you. I'm so grateful for every one of you. I, I think I, I get weepy like this, because I know over the next course of time, some of you are gonna get offended because I know that there are gonna be things that happen that you look at, and because we choose to not look at it, if you choose to look at it from an unbiblical standpoint, we're gonna come into crosshairs, we're, we're gonna cross. And my prayer for you is know this, in this journey, I love you. And there'll be, and let me tell you why. You know why it's hard to be a pastor? Because when I stand before God, I stand with you in my hands. And if I mislead you, your blood's on my hands. That's how important this is to me. And I will never purposefully offend you, but I'm gonna tell you the truth as best as I know it. And know this, (laughs) we love you. And I wanna spend eternity with you. I really do. And you know what, when we all get to heaven, they may even play some of the songs you like. (laughs) That's for you. (laughs) We call that, in communication, we call that a redirect. (sighs) Would you just stand to your feet with me today? Father, today we come before you And Lord, I prayerfully submit to you that God, you can work through the foolishness of my words. But God, we come into this house today and I know that there are a lot of questions. Father, I pray that we would be hungry for your word so that you could reveal yourself to us. And I pray this, God, that the conviction of your Holy Spirit will rest upon us Right now, let us change. You're here today, with every head bowed, every eye closed, you're here today, and you say, Pastor, I know that I'm not right with God. I say this, it seems like I say it every week now, but I'm gonna tell you something, if there was ever a time that I was not gonna play a game with God, it would be now. Because every biblical thing that has to happen, has happened. Every prophetic word spoken, everything has taken place. Now we're just waiting for the dominoes to fall. We're just waiting for Jesus to come. And I want you to be there. If that's you today, you say, Pastor, I don't have all the answers, but I know I want you. I want Jesus. I want, I want the same Jesus that you have. I want forgiveness of my sin. I need a fresh start. If that's you right now, I don't want you to worry about who's around you. Everybody's got their heads bowed and eyes closed anyway, but you're right here now, and you say, Pastor, today I need to make a decision. You, you don't know you know you don't need to think about it. You, you've been worried about it all day. You've been thinking about it this whole time. You say, I need forgiveness. If that's you, I want you to slip your hand up right now with no hesitation. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Thank you, yes. Amen. You can place your hands back down. I'm gonna ask one more thing. You're here today and you say, Pastor, I'm struggling with this whole anxiety thing. I'm struggling with everything going on and I, I just need to have that don't worry anointing. I just need that thing of like, I, I'm trusting God. I know God's got this. I need, I need help in that, Pastor. If that's you right now, I just want you to slip your hands and say, Pastor, be praying for me this week because I, this is a battle. This is a battle. Amen. Just keep them up for a moment. You can place your hands back down. And here's what I want to do. I want our altar workers and our pastors that are available, I want you to join me in the front very quickly. And I'm going to open these altars for prayer. Let me tell you something. I I sincerely believe this. Some of you are going through a battle. You're going through a battle. And I would encourage you. Prayer changes things. And prayer together changes things more so. I'm just telling you, God wants to touch you. And maybe you're feeling weak. You're feeling a little... uh, worn out from the battle let's pray for you i'm praying that god will strengthen you i'm, I'm going to pray it this week because i know i know certain ones in this house that are going through it right now and i'm praying for you i'm lifting you up but i'm believing god's going to anoint you with more capacity i'm believing that god's going to give you tenacity to be to be like a old pit bull you get once it bites it don't let go i'm believing that for you when it comes to what's right and what's moral and I believe that for you. But I want us to all pray this prayer together all across this house. Would you just bow your heads one more time and and wherever you're at, this prayer is for you. Change your life. You can simply repeat after me, Dear Jesus, I'm sorry. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart and make me new. I receive you, Jesus. As my Savior, right now, I repent of my sin, and I turn away from my past. Today, I'm forgiven, and I'm a new creation. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can you give the Lord some praise in the house this morning?